Good morning, everyone. I'm so excited to have Nate here this morning, our local MacGyver. Right? He thinks he thinks we brought him back here for a vacation from Nigeria. We really brought him back to fix things. <laughs> but the day you left, they started calling and said, "Yes, we need him back because we need him to fix things." I'm kidding. It is awesome to have you here. I had to trade him for a couple of my daughters. Oh my God. <laughs> but it worked out because Nate has hair about as long as they do. So that's all right. It's awesome to have him here. Let's go ahead and pray. Um, and Cole, I'm going to have you, as soon as we're done praying, I'm going to have you pull up that last song. Okay? Father, we worship you. We praise you. We thank you. We love you so desperately, Lord. I thank you for allowing us to be here. I thank you for opening up your heart through the process of your son to build relationship with us. I thank you that we were created for that very purpose, that what we seek in that relationship with you is what you intended. Lord, we love you, and we pray this morning that you speak according to your will. I give you my mouth, give you my hands, my feet. I give you every piece of who I am, especially, Lord, I give you my will to speak what you would like to speak. Father, I pray for all those who are listening this morning and listening later to this podcast in places where there isn't the freedom that we have here. I pray for their protection in Jesus' name. I pray that as things get more difficult and tighten up, because of the justice that you are bringing, forcing literally the enemy into a corner. I pray, Father, that your light hides your children. And I know that it will, because you have said it. We worship you. Your will be done this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I love... I love when the Lord does things in sequence that become kind of confirmations of things. As you seek him, as you build relationship with him, you're going to learn that pretty quickly. That he will say something to you or show, show you something in, your wor- in his word where he expects you to act, where he, he expects you to take a step. And he doesn't say anything else. Right? It's when you take that step that he begins to show other things. He begins to show confirmation. I, I just love how he does that. This week has been very interesting for me, and, and one of the things that he took me through 
which was odd. I mean, I'm, I'm not a person who is, like, in the past much. In fact, it's hard enough for me to be in the present, because so much of my vision is, is well into the future when I'm sitting with the court team or talking with my wife and I'm sharing something and, and it's kind of like, okay, but, but let's pull that back to what we need to do right now. <laughs> so that's where I live. So for the Lord to take me back is, is a big deal in my mind. And this week, he had me just going through my journals, which that's funny enough, too. I may ask my mother, I am not a journaler, right? I mean, I wish I was. I wish I had journals from being a kid and all these things. I just, I don't. I'm not a journaler. Well, when this whole thing started, the Lord told me to journal. Okay, do my best. And he had me go through these, which I'm going to share in a minute. But this song, the last song that we sang, was such a confirmation of, of him wanting to me, me to share some of these thoughts because it was with this song that so much began with me years and years ago. Pull up the first verse of that song that we sang. And, and, and it's funny, when we, when we sing these older songs like this, I, I know for me it is not, it's not just about it being nostalgic. That's not what this is. It's about the movement of a life change that not only impacted me, but has impacted so many other people. This song begins with, this is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. I remember when that song first came out, I, I really loved the melody I really loved the song, but the words just tore me apart. Because, see, something inside me knew that that was simply a desire. It wasn't a truth. There's a huge difference with that. I don't know where you're sitting today or where you're, you're watching today, where you're at but your holy presence living in me. Now, understand I was saved. I've been saved since I was nine years old. Invited the Lord into my heart when I was nine. And I have had the inheritance of the kingdom ever since. So this wasn't about the Holy Spirit who stamped his guarantee living in me. That's not how this struck me, and that's not the meaning, I, I believe, of the song. It is the, the pouring and the working through of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Literally giving Him our will. Giving Him this shell with all its assets and saying, the control is yours. See, I knew way back then that that wasn't the case, because I didn't even understand it. I knew I was saved. I knew I had the gift of the Holy Spirit in terms of that guarantee. But to see the working of His power through me, I had not seen. And yet what it became to me was the same desire for breathing air. 
It became the desire of wanting nothing else except him to work in my life and ultimately to work through my life. It was coming to the understanding that I really don't live here. Right? You're aware of that, right? When you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, something happens. The Bible says we are seated with him in the heavens. Right? Okay, now, that could be a little confusing because our bodies are here. (laughs) Wait, Wait a second, Lord, I'm sitting in the heavens and yet I'm going through all this junk here on earth. What happens is our spirits... Because remember, mankind, men and women, are three things. Their mind, which is our will. The Bible calls it our soul. Our body, which is our physical flesh. And then our spirit. The spirit is what is given that guarantee. Because the spirit is what moves on, not our body. And hopefully, not our will. The will is our choice. We can perpetuate that will to move on, or we can perpetuate that will to give it to the Lord. So I knew, now what I know now, I didn't know then, I just knew, I didn't see, I didn't feel that evidence of the closeness with him that I knew this song was talking about, because it said, it's the very air that I breathe. So that became my desire. It became... All I wanted, I wanted nothing more. If he stripped me of everything that I had, let his holy presence, his Holy Spirit be my breath. And I'm good. Because it's him. Go to the next verse. This is my daily bread. Your very word spoken to me. I knew then, that it was different, maybe even different than the songwriter intended. I don't know. I don't know who that was. But I knew it was different than just reading intellectually some words on a page and memorizing and understanding some precepts that I'm supposed to live my life by. Because that's not my daily bread. I know there's a devotional out there called Daily Bread. (laughs) But do you really understand what that means? It's your daily source of survival. It's your daily portion to be able to move and live and breathe. In what? Go back to the first verse. In His holy presence living in me. It was through songs like that and worship when I would just sit, I'd come home from work and just sit for hours in my truck and just worship and just pray. Lex thought I worked late. (laughs) I'm kidding. I think she knew I was out there. But it was explained to me, Lord. How can I have your word speak to me? I see it in your word. You spoke to Paul. You spoke to Peter. I mean, you spoke to so many in the Old Testament, but okay, you know, let's deal with the New Testament under the New Covenant. You still spoke. 
In fact, you seemed to speak a lot more. Because at Pentecost, you spoke to everybody. You didn't single anybody out. I, I knew that's what I wanted. And that's what he wanted for me. And it's interesting to me how he took me back to my journals this week. And it, go, go to the chorus real quick. Do you have that desperation for him? Do you know what it means to be desperate for something? Have you ever been desperate for something? Have you ever lacked something that you need for your life and you've been desperate for it? I used to surf in Southern California. And I thought it would be really cool. There was a hurricane off the coast of Mexico, which was a couple of hundred miles down south, that was bringing in 18 to 20 foot waves. And I thought, oh, that's going to be cool. I'm going to go do that. Yeah, well, the first one I took, it put me into the ground. Kept me underwater for what I thought was 20, 30 years. <laughs> I was desperate for air. I was desperate to live. I was desperate for something that I could not attain myself. Is that your desperation for God? If it isn't, I encourage you to recalculate your thoughts in that. Because we live in a day and age where desperation for Him is the only thing that will facilitate and build that relationship with Him because He will no longer accept any competition. I know this room is filled mostly with young people, but I'm 57 and for the majority of my life, it's been in our society the things that we set aside as important. Our career, our spouse, our relationships, friendships, money, whatever it is. We have these important things that we place in high regard. And as a society, it has gotten less and less and less that that priority was God. Even in a nominal sense. I mean, over the years... We have seen, and, and you see it in the numbers, church decline, right? Well, that's been happening for decades, this church decline. So when it finally came to the point where God is going to bring his justice, test his people, what did he do? He drew a line. And he said, okay, I'll take it away. I'll take your breath away. And we're going to see how desperate you are for it. And he shut down churches. He shut down the ability, if you will, to, to gather together. And to some of us, that was abrasive. That was offensive. That you would stop what is my right. To some, they just went along with it. 
To some, they were happy for it. Because it was a part of their lives that wasn't ingrained in, wasn't cemented in, in that relationship. But God uses those moments. And he desires us to give him everything. He desires us to be desperate for him. He desires us to be lost without him. Have you ever gone into a situation where you're just seeking the Lord hard on and it's feeling like there's not an answer? You're lost. You're lost without him. You need his hand to guide. Thank you for that call. So before I get into some of that, I do want to tell you about this last week or this last weekend, why you didn't see me up here last weekend. It was interesting, and this does tie in to what we're talking about. Last Friday morning, I was spending time with the Lord, and and just uh, as I always do, just what do you want for the day? What do you want? You know, he usually doesn't tell me that early for Sunday, but I always ask, <laughs> what are you wanting for the weekend? What are you wanting for this? And just talking with him. And I received a a text from my aunt that was a, I think it was like a news article or something about this convention that was happening on the other side of the United States called SatanCon. I mean, just that name was abrasive to me. And so because of the abrasiveness of that, people send me stuff all the time, and i got to tell you, so often I don't read it, and I just set it aside. And this one, it didn't intrigue me. It angered me. Angered me enough to pull it up and not to set it aside for a later time or whatever. So I pull it up, and I start reading this thing, and I'm, I'm like, are you kidding me? Satan is going to be this bold. And this was, this was by the group that you've seen them on TV, uh, and you've certainly heard this in the news, the, the satanic temple that is pushing the, the satanic club after school groups or whatever it's called. And there was this big, big fight. I don't even know where those are. Are those, are those in Arizona? I don't know. Anybody know? Anyways, wherever they are. Same guy, Lucian, somebody, somebody, whatever. And so when I read this, I thought, oh, that angers me, Lord. Lord, what, what can we do? Because we, I understand immediately, and most here do, that, that that fight is in the spirit. Right? That fight is not in the physical The physical is not where the power is. That fight for control is in the spirit. And Lord, what do you want us to do? You want us to have prayer? You want us to do this, do that? And so I'm just talking to him. I'm just praying. And I hear hear him say, no, I want you to go. I'm like, well, you know, it literally starts in about six hours. (laughs) And it's on the other side of the country. You really want me to go? And then he didn't answer. 
So I just kept reading. And then I put out to the court team, I said, I said, I just got to tell you guys what happened to me. Here's something that was sent to me. Here's my reaction to it. I don't know what to do. I heard this, but there's no confirmation. And, you know, I'm not sure what to do. But I'll just put it out in case the Lord gives any of you something. And there, there was some replies. I uh, can't remember except, except for one. I remember, well... One specifically was Bryn, one of the first. And, and I was thinking, well, you know, if, if they all say, well, you know, we, we need to pray about this, we need this, and we need that, then I'll just leave it alone. And Bryn came back and said, this is just so weird. I don't know why, but I, I, really, I really think maybe I'm supposed to go. And I thought, well, okay, that didn't help me, Lord. I really was looking for some real confirmation there. So we, we started to pray, and then... Then others, others had said, yes, I, I'm absolutely willing to go and, and all this, but I, I, I didn't have the same impression that I had with Bryn. And so I called Bryn, I don't know, maybe an hour later or something like that. I called Bryn and I said, okay, what are you thinking? What's the Lord telling you? And we talked back and forth and, and didn't get any clarity on that really, at all. But we made the decision, okay, look, because this is something that needs to be decided pretty quickly, let's pray about this. Let's take an hour and let's pray about this and really get on our knees before the Lord and seek his face on this because I don't want to miss his will. Now, I, I want to tell you a brief little story as to why this was important to me, which I don't think I've ever shared here. There was one time that after we finished with, with a meeting, and it was pretty, it was in the evening, I had had a long day, and I, I was in Newark, and basically left that place, and I'm passing down Elkton Road where it comes to 95, and the Lord tells me, get on 95 South, and go to Inner Harbor. And I remember in the moment thinking, ooh, I'm really tired. I'm almost afraid to drive. That's how tired I was. And, and so instead of getting off, I just went a little bit further. And Lord, I had that impression again. And so I pulled over. So I'm not, I'm not going to go on, but I'll, I'll pull over. Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I began this wrestling inside of me. And the part of the wrestling that I was considering was my own weakness. That was my first mistake, okay, which I know now, at the time, it seemed valid to me. So he wasn't giving me anything more. In fact, he said nothing more to me on the side of the road there. So I just went home, and I thought, okay, well, well, maybe, maybe that's for another time, or maybe this, or maybe you, you have all these thoughts, right? It bugged me for a couple days. And so I went before the Lord, and I asked him, I said, was I supposed to go? He said, yes. And it crushed me. I asked him why. He said there were two people there that he wanted me to talk to. And, and what's wild is earlier in that day, he had given me a vision of two people. He had given me a vision of a man in a, a full suit with a tie, showed me where he was sitting in Inner Harbor and everything. 
And then he showed me a lady with, I, I believe she had a child, if I remember correctly. But these people were suicidal, especially the guy. And that's why he wanted me to go down there. And so, obviously, I repented. I asked him, you know, I, I'm just so sorry that I missed that. And he said, it's okay, I sent somebody else. But I need you to hear me when I tell you to do something that doesn't make sense. You've got to know it's me so strongly that there is no question. So I needed to give you that background because that was also what was on my mind. I don't, like, I don't have any problem going. In fact, I just woke up. It's not even that I'm tired. But I've got to know it's you. I've got to know it's not me striving. So after Brendan and I talked, hung up, I started praying. And the Lord said, do a little research on this event. So I did. I began to research the event and what it was. And, and I came to a point of their schedule of something they were doing Saturday night. And immediately I knew. That's why I have to be there. And I want to say it was 15 minutes. It wasn't an hour. 15 minutes I called Bren and I said, I said, Bren, I, I'm supposed to go. And her response was, I'm glad you said that because I knew that already. <laughs> of course, then my response is, Seriously, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> Lord has to teach us in his own way because it's got to be his voice. So then I, I hang up from then and, and I knew, I knew there was one other person that was supposed to go. And it was Wendy. And I don't even know if Wendy had read, the, uh, read any of the posts yet. So I call her because I think she was at a funeral and I, or I might have texted her. And, um, and I said, I said, Wendy, I said, you know, have you read all this? Because I, I really feel you're supposed to go. And she's like, well, I, I'm at a funeral. <laughs> I haven't even looked at anything. I haven't talked to the Lord. I said, I said, we'll talk to the Lord pretty quick. I said, because we need to buy tickets and we need to leave in a few hours. I've already bought my ticket. I've already bought Bren's ticket. We need your we need your answer. So uh, again, she went to the Lord. It wasn't long. She called me back, probably with hesitancy, <laughs> and said. And she gave her testimony on Tuesday night. I won't go into it, but but she said yes, yes. The Lord wants me to go. So we went, and the Lord told us that He would tell us more when we're there. We didn't have an agenda. We didn't. All I knew. The only thing I had clarity on was that Saturday evening what we were to do. Well, Saturday during the day, because we got in there late Friday night. I want to say we got in there about 11 or something like that. So Friday morning we, we go out and, and there were other protesters there and stuff like that. And we, we split up a little bit. The Lord told We walked the perimeter once and the Lord told me to walk the perimeter again and anoint. And it's a, it's a perimeter, I want to say it's a couple of miles um, around effectively City Hall and this hotel where they were doing this, this thing. 
which was right next to City Hall, and I, I walked around a perimeter of the whole thing and walked around it and anointed the corners and released angels. Um, that was all he had us do during the day. So we got, we got an opportunity to just kind of soak in, meet people, whatever. And, and there, were, there were protesters there. Um, the majority of the protesters, uh, I want to say about 100 of them, were Catholic. And, and I was so proud of them because their, their regional diocese or whatever said, don't do it. Don't protest. Leave it alone. And thankfully, they didn't listen to that. And they were out there and they were protesting. And it was interesting because as I'm standing on the corner, here come this big parade of, of the, the Catholic protesters. And, you know, because I thought, well, Lord, do you want me to join them? And he said, no. Okay. Why? He said, wait. And so there were two groups that actually passed. And the second group brings this, this I can't describe it. It, it kind of like reminded me of Mexico when I, when I would see um, the Day of the Dead down there. Uh, where they had Mary, up, they would carry this statue of Mary on four people on their shoulders. And, and they were, they were chanting, if you will, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. And I was in such agreement. Yes, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. And they would, then they would say, and Mother Mary will crush the head of this serpent. Yeah, can't, can't agree with that. Can't agree with that. And so the Lord wouldn't allow me to really connect with them. Which is interesting, because I tried three times. The Lord wouldn't allow it. Then I went around, and there were some others, as you can imagine. Um, just, you know, there, there was a group there that was... Uh, you know, chanting different things, um, you know, Jesus, Jesus is Lord, this is wrong, all this stuff. And I, I did go up to them and talk to them a little bit. I said, I said, do you really understand what's going on? And, and he said, what do you mean? And, I, and then I pointed out this schedule that they had for Saturday night, which would have been a few hours from then, because this was probably 11 or 12 in the afternoon. And he was just blown away, and he calls all the people in there, and you've got to hear this, and I'm, I'm going over what they're going to do in this ritual, which, by the way, was a blood sacrifice. It was not a, a killing something, but it was a bloodletting sacrifice. Um, and so they're, they're all gung-ho about this, and, and, and I said, we're going to be over there over at City Hall at 530, which is when this starts. And um, so you're welcome to join us. And then, but, but they weren't from here just like we weren't from here. Okay, the Catholics, they were from Scottsdale, I believe. This, this group, they weren't from there. Met another, another group, they weren't from there. As I'm walking around, I, I, I come up and I meet this, this young lady and her five-year-old son. And they had these big signs about, you know, no Satan clubs, Right. And I talked to them a little bit, and they were from, from Scottsdale. And I said, I said, what church are you with? And she said, oh, our, our church wouldn't come out here. 
She said, but I, I, couldn't, I couldn't stop from coming out here even though our church wouldn't. And all the people that we met around there were not from Scottsdale. There was no representation in Scottsdale at all. And, and then we, we got to meet when, when it came to 5.30 and these people that said, yes, we're gung-ho, we're going to join you. They never showed. By this time, the Catholic group had gone home. There, there was nobody. There was nobody during the most important part of what was about to happen. The, the apex of the fight, if you will. And, and so we went over there and we just began to pray. And three people that were there kind of stood near. And then in between one of the prayers, they said, can we join you? And so they, they joined us in prayer. We began to pray against what was going on. Just to let you know what was going on over there was they had planned a, a ritual starting, I think it was 5.30 or 5.45, something like that, that was literally to bring on a new age. They used the word eon in the, in the, uh, in the description. Of, that was the title of it. But it means... It meant to bring on a new age. And the way they described this ritual was that they were going to have a ritual that would effectively plant a flag and grow all over the world from there. Okay, well, to the average listener, that just seemed, you know, well, good luck with that. That's just really stupid. To one who is not blind and understands warfare, you know how dangerous that is. And the fact that we did not meet anybody from Scottsdale, apart from that, that mother and son, it's no wonder God had us go there. Because Scottsdale didn't show up. I kept saying, Lord, where is the bride in Scottsdale? Where is the bride in this beautiful place? And it was, it was amazing. We woke up in the morning and, and I don't know, it was like 70 degrees or something like that. And I don't think we saw a cloud the entire time we were there. It was beautiful. But where are the, where, where was the bride? Where were those who would stand up against what is going on? The only ones that would went into the battle not even knowing there was a battlefield. Went into the battle not even knowing how to wield a sword. Literally all they were doing was protesting the physicality of what was going on there. And that held no power anyways. The power in the fight was in the spirit. So these three people did join us. Their names are Kai and Fred and Marissa. And it was awesome when, when they were praying with us and then, and then Kai prayed. And I'm listening to her prayer and I'm thinking, wow, she goes to ignition. <laughs> she understands this fight, she understands this spiritual war. And so we went out, after, after we were all done there, 
And the Lord had us do several things, had me do some things, and had, had each of us three pray things and declare things. After that, we went out to dinner and we got to talk to them and get to know them a little bit. And what's amazing to me is even where they were from, which was Phoenix, about a half an hour away, they weren't sent by a church. They weren't sent by an organization. It was something that the Lord laid on their hearts that they just cannot allow this to happen. And where is our passion for this country? Where is our passion for the land that Satan wants to control? You know, part of it comes in this process of building relationship with the Lord. Part of it comes with unbelief. We all are willing. Right? It's just like the parable of the seeds. It depends on the fertileness of the soil in which the seed is planted. Because we all move through, as Christians, we all move through and say, yes, I want what you want, Lord. When we give that yes, I guarantee you, and I've said it before, there's one thing that's going to happen. That yes is going to be tested. Will you actually move in that yes? And so, in this process of building relationship with the Lord, of literally being built into a warrior, we move, and then we're tested. Then hopefully, it's solidified, and we move again. And we, that's why it's not a single yes, it's a continual yes. But those things are tested hard. And that's why the Lord had me look back at my journals this week. See, I'm a real optimistic person. I'm a real positive person. It's really rare that I remember negative things. I have to really think through, like, warfare and stuff like that that happened in the past. It's just kind of like, okay, I went through that on to the next. Right? Like I said, I live, my vision is in the future. He had me go back to re-experience, if you will, through the journals, what I had to go through. And I think it's partly because there are people here today, and there are people online that are going through the same thing, that have given their yes, where that yes is being tested, perhaps over and over and over again. And sometimes in that testing, there's no further direction. And it makes you question that step in the first place. Was I right in taking that step? Oh man, in, in reading, reading the journals, <laughs> at the beginning of it, I had it all mapped out. Right? I had it all mapped out. I was, I was a worship leader at a church. And, and, you know, I know the Lord is, is having me get rid of the business and, and, and all of this. And, and certainly, I mean, I'm full time with them anyway, so certainly they'll just hire me on and, and I'll, I'll get my salary from them and, you know, whatever. That didn't work out that way. But yet, I didn't even know that immediately. See, we were coming into the summer. And where I went to church before, our pastor would 
take a large part of the summer off, and he would be gone on the West Coast. And I remember thinking, Lord, please have him, you know, offer this position to me, offer offer this salary to me before he leaves. Please. And it didn't happen. In fact, the only thing that did happen in the months prior to him leaving were stresses on our relationship between he and I. The Lord started taking us two different directions. Well, let, me, let me change that. The Lord started taking me in a different direction. And so that wasn't there. So I spent those summer months thinking, okay, well, Lord, you're going to provide somehow. Closed the business. Wish I could have closed my debt, but I couldn't. So I need to, I need to trust you. The whole time, the consternation of all those around me became more and more difficult, including my precious wife. Because when you plow new ground, it's abrasive. Think about what a plow does. It unearths settled ground. And it literally disrupts everything around it. So I was disrupting the flow of everything around me. But something inside of me needing that air that I wanted to breathe and of the Holy Spirit, that's what drove me. And I, I, read, I read yesterday one of these things, one of these journal entries, and it, it, was, it was before the Lord had really broken through and spoken to me in ways that I've sh- shared before. But, but I read this thing, and, and I'm listing all the things that are opposing me, all the people that are opposing me, and it was everyone. It was everyone. My entire life was in opposition to, to what I was doing. And, and then in a separate paragraph, I just put, but I trust you, Lord, because I can't have anything but you. I would give up all of that if I could just have you and have that living presence inside of me that gives me life. The rest is in your hands. If I lose my family, if I lose my friends, if whatever I lose, I don't care. Because I know you have a plan. Yeah. And there were others that were in those journal entries that fought this fight with me. When you're at your most desperate, the Lord will send something or someone to give a hand. And when I was the most desperate for him, he actually sent a young lady. 
And you all know her in Nyssa. You all know her as really quiet. Well, back then, she was a lot quieter. Now, occasionally, we need to ask her to be quiet. (laughs) She didn't like being in front of people. She didn't like the spotlight to be on her. But yet, she was obedient in what the Lord was leading her to do. Because she wanted the same thing I did. She wanted to breathe. She wanted the breath that the Holy Spirit working inside her would bring. And against all odds, just like me, she said yes. And there was amazing, amazing breakthrough. I told her I'm going to give her a copy of my journal. By the way, it's only a little over 2,000 pages, so... I read the first 60 pages. (laughs) But what God did from that moment on, it was war. It was victory. It became stability. When you're in this fight, you say yes. And you're moving in a way that Oh, Lord, this isn't what I expected. I'm just getting hit. How in the world, how in the world am I going to make it through this? Just trust no matter what. Trust no matter what. If you know it's his voice, trust no matter what. Claim his promises because his promises are true. Because he just may be starting something in you that needs starting for others. Ignition is filled with those people. I've said it before. If you are at ignition at this point in time, then it's for a purpose. It's for a purpose of leadership. It's for a purpose of teaching others. It's for a purpose of plowing new ground. That's that's a hard thing to understand if you're just here, I don't know, to check a box which I know, I know you're not, but even online. I wanted to turn, two weeks ago, I had kind of finished this, but, but the Lord wanted me to go a little further with it. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Actually, we'll turn to chapter 2. Um, if you recall two weeks ago, and last week's was so good, uh, with Alexis, with, with uh, Rocker Sand, and it, it, it really fits in with everything that the Lord has been saying here. You know, almost like the Lord is doing this. I don't know what that's all about. Right? I'm kidding. Yeah. But if you recall, just, just referring back to chapter 1 two weeks ago when we talked about verse 9, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Okay, remember Paul talks, talks about this mystery. This mystery of of the Gentiles being grafted in, but it was so much more than that. It was not just that we were grafted into this idea of of being able to worship God, this idea of, of having relationship with him, but he goes on to say in verse 10, as a plan. In other words, there is a plan 
to this mystery. It's not just intellectually, well, oh, you know what the mystery is. Someone, someone said that to me two weeks ago. Well, you know what the mystery is. The mystery is that the Gentiles were grafted in. Agreed. Why? Why were they grafted in? There's a reason. When there's a reason, there's a plan. And that's what Paul's referring to here in verse 10. As a plan for what? The fullness of time. This is not for eternity. The plan is not for a fullness of eternity because when we are in eternity, we are no longer in time. That's not what it's referring to. It's referring to this age of the earth. It's referring to the time that mankind is on the earth without the Father God. Because at the end, after the great white throne judgment, Father God will come down with the new Jerusalem and he will be with us on this earth. That's when time is done. Time is over with. The fullness of time is the amount of time between now and then. Okay? So he says there's a plan for that. What's the plan? To unite all things in him, things in heaven, things on earth. That goes back, and I said this two weeks ago, that goes back to what the Lord said in, in this fight that we're in, in uniting all things for him. Understanding the kingdom of God that Jesus brought to this earth 2,000 years ago was an intention of bringing all of his enemies, as the Father said, under his feet, under his control. Does that seem strange to you? I mean, why, why didn't God the Father just say, I mean, Jesus, I've, I've already raised your name up above all names. You have all power. You have all everything. Why don't you go take care of your enemies? Isn't, isn't that just seems like it would be more natural, right? Except that it would take out of the equation the very reason, the very purpose that he created us for in the first place, and that is fellowship. That is relationship. That is love. We are his body. It says the body is directed by him, but the body still has to function as the body. So there had to be an element in there where we are included in the plan. This plan was not the mystery of the plan was not that Jesus was going to come and do everything. The mystery of the plan was that it was going to unite him with us. With his body, in complete unity, in moving forward in what he wants to do. In that joy, in that plan, in that joy of relationship. Things in heaven and things on the earth. Things in his kingdom and things manifest in this realm. See, it's supposed to go like this. It's supposed to mesh together. That's the plan. That's the mystery. That he is doing this through us. So, so that background I give for the purpose of understanding this next part. Verse 17. That the Lord our God 
Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. And that's where I ended two weeks ago. In other words, because of all that, because of this mystery, because of this plan that God wants to do in his bride, in those who would say continue, continually, yes, he gives this spirit of wisdom and of revelation in what? In the knowledge of him, in understanding him. It's not just about opening up his word and being able to quantify what that meant in history. And intellectually understand the process of this goes after this. And so we know to expect this. And okay, yeah, we got it all down. Now I could just, now, now Lord, I got the Bible figured out. Now I just have to wait and endure. See, I can say that with authority because that's what I felt for 40 years. I'll just wait and I'll endure. And, and my knowledge, I understand this, Lord. I understand what you're doing. I can't wait. Why do I have to wait so long? And it's because he was trying to get my attention to understand you don't understand any of it. Because you're not breathing yet. When you breathe in my Holy Spirit and my Holy Spirit breathes through you, then you'll begin to understand the layers of what my word really means. You cannot, you cannot please understand. You cannot understand his word for the intent in which he gives it without relationship with him. And I mean without what the Bible calls sanctification. I'm not talking about justification. I mean, you can't understand it without that either. You can't even have relationship without justification. When you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, you then have this license, this license to know him, this license to hear his voice. But without your continued yes and the Holy Spirit working through your life, you can't move in understanding the, the wisdom and the knowledge of the Spirit in what he says. So he says when he gives that, when he gives that wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and literally giving us eyes that are enlightened, what does that mean? kind of like a light bulb going on. <laughs> you ever have those moments where, where you're re- reading something and, and all of a sudden you understand it and it, ding, this light goes on. It's like, oh my goodness, what a gem. I, I had no idea that was there. What a joy. What a joy of what you're saying. That's what he's saying here. Opening our eyes to understand what the Holy Spirit is telling us. And this wisdom and of revelation. And it's for three purposes. One, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Understanding this plan, you have to have these three things in place first. Because these three things are a culmination of that revelation, that, that relationship that you have with him. That you may know. By the way, that word there in the Greek, to know, is to know with certainty. 
Not to, well, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. No, that's not what it says. He gives us the, this, this spirit of wisdom and of revelation and enlightens our hearts so we can know for sure, in a certainty, what is the hope to which he has called you. You know, if I were to talk to a hundred Christians, I would say 95 of them wouldn't have any clue what that means. Well, okay, yeah, I mean, I mean heaven. You know, he's called us to heaven. That's what it's talking about, the, 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 the hope and the knowing that if I die right now, I get to go to heaven. First of all, that'd be Paul reiterating stuff because he just dealt with that in, in chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. It's not what it's talking about. Because it's talking about in this age, which you'll see later, and we saw just before where it says the fullness of this time. The fullness of the time in which we're in. To know what is the hope to what he has called us to. In other words, we're not supposed to just accept him as Savior and sit here and just wait for him to come. He's called us to a purpose. He's called us to an understanding of this mystery, this plan that brings the fullness of time, that literally brings unity in not just this realm, but in the spirit realm. By the way, you can't have unity without getting rid of the junk. It's just like gold. When you smelt gold, it gets rid of the dross. It all comes to the top. You get rid of it to have this purified gold. It's no different with a Christian. That's what the process of relationship does. That's what the process of our yes and stepping in faith does, especially stepping in faith in the face of adversity. Oh my goodness. Anybody here, anybody online who has given their yes and God has used them in any way and moved in developing relationship in any way, it's because they hit diversity or, or they hit obstruction. They hit people coming against them. Oftentimes, the people they love the most, especially in this day and age, when everything is chaotic, everything feels chaotic, but that we know what is the hope to which he has called you in the fullness of this time. That means he intends for you to know. Do you know? I know. I may not know all the movement of it, but I know what he's called me to. He's called me to intimacy with him. He's called me to relationship with him. He's called me to make that number one over anything else. The movement is up to him. The movement, when I woke up Friday morning, I thought, I have a day today that is kind of free. You know, this is kind of cool. You know, I have a few things to do. He decided my movement and Wendy and Bryn's movement that morning. Well, he probably decided a long, long time ago, but he showed us that morning. He's the one that decides our movement, but we can know what he has called us to. Secondly, what is the immeasurable greatness 
of his power toward us. I left a little piece off there, didn't I? What are the next two words? Who believe. What is the immeasurable greatness? I'm sorry. Yeah, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us? Wait, I skipped one. No, sorry. I did. I skipped one. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Now, by the way, when you look up this word riches, it's a very physical word. Okay, now, I'm not saying that you should take that and build some doctrine off it, but he is talking about the physical realm. He's not talking about the fact that he's building a a mansion for you one day in heaven. It's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the riches of what he intends for his saints. Now, you could take that a different direction, which this probably infuriates me more than anything when preachers say everybody's supposed to be rich. Okay, that's not what this verse is saying either. It's the richness of his inheritance. Now, that might be physical money. It might be other things like that. But again, it refers to the intimacy of relationship with him. You know, honestly, if we're all supposed to be rich, then God needs to apologize to Jesus. Because he wasn't. He had no place to lay his head. But in the same respect, it is not that we make ourselves poor because in some way that makes us more righteous. Now, what it does is it makes us more pious. He gives us things for the purpose of whatever he wants to do with them. Sometimes he gives us things just because he gets joy out of giving them to us. Sometimes he gives us things with the purpose of using it for others. The whole point is that we're to seek him on that. But it is, again, to know what are the riches of his glorious inheritance. As we walk in the calling that he has called us to, we can know that, and we can also know that everything we need to do, his calling with, will be provided. That's why we know, even even that morning, okay, it was not cheap to go to Arizona buying a ticket a couple hours in advance. Not cheap at all. Not to mention the fact that when we got there, you know, Scottsdale's not a cheap place anyways, but when it's the weekend of the Pro Tour, the Golf Pro Tour, things are jacked up like 300%. You know, when I first got there, I thought, seriously, all these people can't be here for SatanCon. <laughs> they look a lot like golfers. What's going on? And then found out that, that okay, that's why it's so expensive. But the Lord provides. The Lord provides all of that. And we know that we can have this knowledge and this knowing of what his calling is and that he'll provide everything that we need for that calling. And it takes us to the third one. The, and this is the one. Oh, man. Please don't get two out of three. Please don't get two out of three. 
This third one is what we wait for the most. This third one is what our breath is the most. And it is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. It's kind of like when he tells you to do something that you have no capacity to do. What would have happened if I would have made a right on 95 South and went down to Inner Harbor that night? I, I can tell you what would have happened. He would have given me strength. He would have filled me with his power. He would have filled me with his joy. When I pull in there and, and I park and I see in the place that I expected it, when I see this guy, and I go up and talk to him and say, the Holy Spirit has sent me to talk to you. Don't take your life. Don't even think about it. What do you think the Lord would have given me in that? It would have been the immeasurable greatness of his power toward me because I believed. Now, because I didn't, because I didn't choose, it was lost on me. Now, thankfully, we serve a very patient God. I remember right after that asking, Lord, give me another chance. Give me another chance. He said, don't worry, I will. So I'm, I, I keep looking for it right away. I mean, this was six months ago. I don't even remember when that was. It was a long time. And I kept asking for another chance. And I should have expected when that chance came, I probably wasn't expecting it. And it was going to be a much bigger sacrifice. Because that's how God works. That's when we say yes, he tests our yes. But it was when we said yes, when we moved in that, we saw the immeasurable greatness of his power literally working through us, literally pouring into somebody else, pouring into those three that we had dinner with. This is what he wants to do. We're an army rising up. <clears throat> that army has to understand how to fight. That army has to understand what we're fighting for. That army has to understand the greatness of him who would infuse in us the power to move forward. Let's come on up. That's what he wants to do with his bride. There was no way we were going to let them plant a flag. And what Satan intends for evil, God works toward good to those who love him and to those who are called according to his purpose. We were called there according to his purpose. Satan's flag was not planted. God's flag was. So, so no longer is that land even benign. Satan would have better, been better off to leave it alone. And, and I'll tell you what. I say this to Lucian or whoever he was, everywhere they try to plant a flag, God will destroy it and will plant that land for him. Whether he uses us or he uses one of his other children, he will do it. 
because all of this is coming to a unity in him. Come on up. I'm struck by what he's doing in the remnant that is learning of the purity of his voice. And I think this is an example of not limiting our understanding of what God would ask us to do. However, let me make one little distinction. It, there's plenty of examples in Scripture of what God would ask of somebody that would seem like, oh, God wouldn't do that. But for the purpose of this weekend, one of the first things that Greg said to me is he said, you know, you have to pay money to get in. And he said, God will not allow us to pay one dime. So they did not step into this conference. Going to the conference was going to the the land upon which it was on. They not only did not enter, but they didn't stay in the hotel that it was in. They were across the street. And uh, However, that doesn't mean that if God had told them to march right on in, um, you know, there was a scenario where the, he, the Lord, he, uh, Greg wondered if the Lord would have him do that. But, but just in case there was a question about that, um, the, uh, the territory was taken because of their presence there. But it is, um, it is something that the Lord is, is asking. You know, the question was asked even earlier in the ladies' class, you know, we're seeing kind of the dismantling and the change in the bride of churches. There is just a shift changing. Some of them are closing their doors or they're looking differently or whatever. And what does it look like to have the remnant rise and to have this unification of the bride come about? Um, and we really don't know exactly how God's going to do it, but he's going to do it in a very divine way. And it's going to come through the unity, as we know, of the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that look like? That looks like each of us following one spirit. And that's why that story opening the message was so significant. Because the Holy Spirit will speak the same message to people if they're seeking the Holy Spirit. That's why Bryn was told, Wendy was told, and Greg was told at the same time. And and others of us knew that it was them, but knew that that our role would, would be different. And so... It, it can only be a unification of the body of Christ as we are completely operating in ultimately what is in essence the great commandment. We are in love with him, in tune with him, hearing him with all of our mind, soul, strength, every part of us. But then loving one another as ourselves. You, you're going to be missing a big part of it if we miss even the second part of the great commandment. It is like the first, Jesus said. We cannot have this beautiful relationship and then wall ourselves off from people in the body of Christ. If you've got walls, if you've got issues with really loving, uh, one of the things that I, I, I find interesting is the fruit of the Spirit. One of the fruits of the Spirit is, of course, love. It's the first one. And if you have, if you struggle with opening up your life to Spirit-filled believers, there will be a portion of the great commandment that is stunted and hindered because God set it up to where we are in fellowship with the body of believers. Um, but he is really looking for people to be um, manifesting who he is. And um, one of my checklists of just, Lord, you know, am I embodying who you are, is the very fruit of the Holy Spirit. Um, everything from patience, you know, the tough ones, patience, self-control. A lot of people think they have got the love, joy, peace down, but they have no self-control. You know, when, when, when there's habits you can't break, the Holy Spirit gives us a way 
to bring ourselves under subjection by the power of the Holy Spirit. Apart from him, we can do nothing. But with him, you know, the things that we know backwards and forwards, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So do a little check of Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Are you exhibiting, are you walking in the manifest fruit of the Holy Spirit in all of those areas? And we know a lot of believers, too. One of the hardest things to pray for is patience. But do you want to manifest who Jesus is, you know, and be in that place where there's nothing hindering his voice so that we are literally exactly where, what he is breathing on in that moment for, for his assignment for us? Um, I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss an opportunity. What a, what a glorious opportunity to be sent someplace. Nate could go on and on and on with a beautiful testimony of how God has used his life in Nigeria. And it is a testimony that blesses me. And, and it's been a rough road because of the battle and the war of the enemy not wanting his life to impact the kingdom as it has. But it has. And he's fighting the good fight of faith every single day. And I, I love Nate's testimony. And it's something that um, is worth the fight. And, and he knows, I, I love the comment even that he made on the way home from the airport in this visit here to the U.S. And he's, uh, I think Greg asked him something about, isn't it great to be home? And he said, I'm not home. My home is Nigeria. And I thought, wow, what an, what an, an amazing thing to, to be so knowing that you're called to a place, that that becomes home. You know, some, some of us are, if you, find, you know, if you ever find you're white-knuckling it to get through something that God's calling you to do, whew. There's not a total relinquishing of self there. Let God place you where he's going to place you. Don't fight him and then watch what he'll do. It's, it's beautiful. But, Father, thank you, God, so much for this word today, Lord. And I, I thank you even for the testimony of how you work, how you move, where you call us to last minute, God. And, and just um, what you are doing in the refining of the pure goal that you desire for us to be. Lord, what you are doing in the process of faith in each of our lives. Father, I just pray that you would help us every day to say yes to that process. Father, because not saying yes to you is saying yes to something else. And it's saying no to you. So I I pray, God, that you give us a clarity to know that it's not just Well, I'm just going to kind of hang back. The line is too set. It is too deep. It is cutting to where we're either for you or against you. And God, you want all of us because you gave us all of you and your son, Jesus. And so I just pray that you just help us to, to seek you more, to love you more, to know you more. And just allow that refinement because it is so beautiful. I thank you. For all of the painful, painful things you have taken out of my life that you've in some cases had to pry from my hands because I didn't even know how tightly I was gripping it. But once I let go of it, it opened me up to more of the blessing that you promised to every believer. God, I just pray that we would not fight you in, in any part of Of what you want to give us. Because as we know, when we go to hand somebody something, if their hands are full, they can't carry it. They can't receive taking on anything else because they're completely already encumbered. And you don't want us to be encumbered or, as Hebrews says, entangled 
with the things of this life. But you want us open so that you can completely fill us. So I just pray, God, that you would just continue to just to raise up your bride in this abandon to you, this desperation to finally have your breath in our lungs so that we can pour out the praise that you deserve. You created us for your glory. You created us for worship. So God, let us just hunger and thirst for you, your breath, your ways, your love. I just praise you, God. You are so worthy of our praise. And it is so worth it to receive all that you give us. So I just thank you for this word. Bless it. Take it to the ends of the earth according to your plan and however you want to use this. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.